As we begin to reintegrate into the world post-lockdown, we're confronted with the fact that our lives are not the same as they were before 2020. And with that comes the realization that a lot of us have to relearn, rebuild, and restart. Struggling to do so myself, I wondered how other people are able to rise from the ashes of crumbled moments throughout their lifetime. I'm Rebecca Lee, and this is season two. How the fuck did you bounce back? Wait, say that again now that I'm recording? Yeah, I, I put my Alanis Morissette shirt on for this. I got real dressed up today. You really knew your demographic. Damn sure did. What's up, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I know that there's going to be some emotional. I'm going to be, you're going to be talking to an emotional angry bitch. So it's perfect. Perfect. Uh, uh, Alex, I've known you for a really long time. Very long time. Very I've, long time. I think I've known you since I was like 14. We went to high school together. We did. And um, that's a long time. It's like your top three of my longest. I want to say like oldest friends, but then that gets confusing because it's like you're not oldest in age. You're just oldest in the fact that I've known you the longest. (laughs) Well, we're getting pretty old in age, too. So (laughs) we can just be honest with ourselves here. Um, but it's a treat because like, yeah, you're one of the three people that I've known for the longest amount of time that I still am in contact with, which is, yeah, literally. And, uh, I've also always wondered like where on the list of how famous people from Nice, like obviously Tim Tebow is the most famous person from our high school. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like there've been some other, like maybe like a NFL player or some, another NFL player golfer or two for sure. Being that it was in Pondy uh, do you know, I don't know if you know Kayla, Kayla Compton, she was in, she's in my grade and she was on the show, the flash on the CW for like a handful of seasons. Oh, wow. Cool. No, I, I, I know that name. I, I mean, high school is pretty far in the rear view now. So like, I remember a lot of names and then you just have to like put a yeah. face with it, you know? Did you like high school? No, fuck no. That <laughs> <laughs> shit sucked. I hated high school uh yeah let's just get into it i feel like this is a good start uh yeah. why'd, you hate, why'd you hate high school alex yeah i just man i hate waking up early always hated waking up early and i think i've read in a lot of places that like more creative people are like night owls and stay up late and you know have some beverages and get a little creative and write down their thoughts and shit so that's always been like kind of my thing and waking up early sucks and then homework <laughs> Uh, and I'm just going straight into this. Sorry. Oh, let's do it. I'm guns blazing. Let's go, you, baby. You picked a great topic to it's, start with. It's uh, 3 p.m. there. Let's go. You're yeah, awake. No, You're awake now. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the, the the blood is flowing now. So, um, yeah, homework. Uh, I've always just thought that that was like conditioning people at a young age to think that work doesn't stop when work stops. And you're supposed to just keep working after work ends. Yeah. And I fucking hate that idea because your time is supposed to be your time and homework's just conditioning children to think that that's normal. And I hate it. I'll agree with that. I think homework's fucked up. Yeah. I mean, I hated it just because I, I hated having to do it. I didn't understand why I hated it back then. But like yeah. now I understand like the, the big picture of why it's honestly just kind of a fucked up concept that yeah. we make kids do that in the first place. We can't be that surprised given the state of our capitalist society, Alex. You know that. Yeah, I knew we'd get there. I just didn't know it'd be this quick. (laughs) (laughs) I feel Uh, like the things that we talk about, like, the most on DMs are capitalism, 
mm. and uh, how much we hate cops. And that is like probably yeah. the most shit that we talk about. <laughs> I really spend a lot of my time talking about those in general, but you and I specifically do have quite a bit. <laughs> conversation about those two topics like of all the like memes or whatever the fuck that i see like all the ones that that resonate with me are yours and then i end up like reposting them because i'm like yep i do the same with yours too but when uh, uh when did your hatred for capitalism and cops start alex you know i always knew i was angry about something uh, when I was in like a, a teenager, like, I mean, you're just a teenager just angry anyways. Like you True. just don't know why I knew that I didn't like cops. I didn't really know exactly why I just, there's just something felt fucked up about it. And I hadn't had any negative experiences with them yet, like personally. And I wasn't, you know, the internet wasn't what it is now. So I didn't really fully understand the scope of that system and how fucked up it all was. I just knew I didn't like it. And capitalism, I didn't really have like the word for it, capitalism, but I knew that the society we were in, just something was not right when there's homeless people and super unbelievably rich people and that exists at the same time. Like just something about it just didn't make sense. And like now, you know, being older, hopefully a little smarter and uh, having access to all of the information that's out there that we do in this day and age um and you know cameras recording crazy fucked up things cops do and all this shit and the guilt being everywhere it's like how could you not hate it like i don't understand how you don't how you couldn't hate it i know be angry about it i know how okay so given the fact that your home base (laughs) is in florida yeah Mm -hmm. um given your view and you're in you're a border florida and georgia you're technically the south Yes. What, given your views, not not the majority of people have those views in Florida. No. <laughs> so what? How does that affect affect you and your life and like your community and the world you see around you? Yeah. So the area uh, I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, um, and the area uh, that I live in is Atlantic Beach, which is like a little bit that's more. A bad, of a that's better. Progressive er part of uh at least of the beaches communities here in jacksonville uh so i'm not like constantly surrounded by just maga fucking idiots all day um there are certainly parts of this town that are that way uh and more so probably even than when we grew up the uh the area that we went to high school in is um is just like a wealthier than ever now area and uh yeah anytime i go down there my my mom uh still lives out in that area and anytime i go visit her i don't want to go to the grocery store or anything but uh really like no it's not not like no it's not like that i just i don't know there's a lot of maga stuff down there um yeah like a lot of let's go brandon flags on the side of (laughs) fucking like desantis 2024 flag oh my yeah i mean jesus christ we haven't even talked about fucking desantis how did that even happen i mean i would say how did that even happen in terms of how did he get to that position but uh it's florida we're talking about so well he's just as insane and evil as donald trump but he's a way smarter than donald trump right that's why he's scary honestly because like he wants all the same shit but he's like smart enough to do it which is horrifying do you think he's gonna run for president DeSantis? Yeah. Absolutely. He had no intention of being the governor of Florida uh, for more than two years. When he yeah. Ran. 
That's fucking scary. That's what scares me. He is what scares me. I can't. Do you? Uh, I'm like concerned that he's gonna be. Do you think he's gonna be the president? Um, I haven't really. I've been putting off like looking into projections into things because sure. it's just like, uh, fucking. You know, uh, it's scary, man. Authoritarianism and fascism. It's it's real and it's here in Florida and um. It could be in all of America. The I, I, Off rip, just off the top of my head, what I'm hoping, and I don't know, I, again, I have not done anywhere near enough like research in any of this to be talking about it, but uh, I hope that because so many of the Trumpers are sticking with him and the DeSantis people have moved on, but there's maybe they just tear each other apart. That's my hope as well. And Joe Biden falls down the stairs and someone who's actually legit runs for the Democrats. Who is going to? I'm like, who the fuck is gonna run? That mayor, what's her name? Marianne, Mary, you know what I'm talking about? She's like a, she was in the primaries and she's like an author or something. And she's like running again, but like her shit, I have to send it to you. She has some good shit where I was like, yep, see right here, but there's no way, like. Please, yeah, please do. I, I again, I have a. Uh, Marianne like my... Wilmanson or something. Mary, something yeah, like yeah, I think that is it. There's something like that, yeah. Like but that. I, I don't know enough on it to like really intelligently speak on it right now. But sure. um, uh, yeah, last election cycle like took so much out of me and so many other people I know that like I'm just I have been like so not wanting to even start thinking about it again. Like, and mm-hmm. I think that's what some of those people are counting on is. But I mean, when the time comes, I'll be there. But yeah, yeah. God, it. it was exhausting. That it's last exhausting time. to exist in this world, you know. Uh, believe me, I do. Yes. Um, I just feel like we all we need to also promote voting <coughs> in local elections, state election, like our own communities a lot more because that's when we end up with the fucking Desantis's running shit. You know, a lot of people <coughs> just are like, "I'll vote for like the." general election it's like no bitch you gotta vote for the you gotta do the primaries you gotta do your local shit like it's that is where it starts you know the courts all that shit yeah all of it all of it <clears throat> all right now let's Can talk I, about you yeah I'm, what i'm sorry i just before my adhd is just killing me Go. right now what is the shirt you're wearing i've got to know i've been trying to figure it out this whole time oh rush it's Sick, a, it's dude. it's Rush. What, who else is on it? Ozzy Rush. Uh, who's on the back? Is that an authentic shirt from? Yes, it is. Nineteen eighty four. Holy shit, that might be worth some money, dude. I know. I have like a. I lucked into like a handful of these vintage eighty two and eighty four band tees, and um, they're actually sitting in this closet. I'm gonna go try to sell them today. Actually, after this. Um, yeah, at a, like a really low price and then i this one i think is probably worth some too but i like it too much to sell it i think yeah it's kind of dope i'm not it's gonna lie. pretty dope like the back is really cool too um sorry i didn't thanks. mean to interrupt there that was just no so- it's really it's i anytime that i can talk about how cool of shirts i have i like that so i'm glad you brought that up <laughs> me too great anyway <laughs> as you were saying you let's talk about you for a second alex is there a low point, a low season, a depression, a funk, whatever, a challenge in your life that you've experienced that you're proud of overcoming, whether it's childhood, adolescence, adulthood, yesterday? What can you think of? Sure. So um, I gave this a little bit of thought and really the most 
like the thing that came to the front of my mind was just um during covid uh uh, I, I guess your audience probably has no idea who I am. I play, I tour in a, a hardcore band called uh, Evergreen Terrace. We, uh, yeah, we've baby. been there for quite a while. And so touring the world as an adult has been like a big foundational thing for me. And like, honestly, kind of part of my identity, which I hate to say, but like, it kind of is like, it, it, you know, so much of my experience, especially in my like 20s was doing that. And, you know, as we've gotten older, other members have kids and uh, all that stuff. And so we don't do it nearly as much now, but like having all that pretty much ripped away. And I mean, people were dying. Don't get me like boo hoo for me. I get it. But um, yeah, so like that sent me kind of into like a, I don't want to say like a spiral per se, but I mean, I was mentally not in a good spot. Um, And, you know, the world was the black lives matter shit was going on the cops are fucking killing everyone covid's killing everyone there's a big political divide over something that was just fucking common sense Uh, everyone's going crazy and i didn't have that one release that i always have where i get to go fucking yell at a microphone or you know so like that not being there for me and i didn't have that coping mechanism i just kind of like started drinking a lot and doing a lot of like psychedelics every day and my brain went to mush for a minute and like it, it wasn't like a I, it was it was something that I was able to pull up pull myself out of uh eventually but um yeah that that's really the thing that came to the front of my mind was just like having that big foundational piece of my life and who I've been for my whole adult life not be an option for a long time and Florida came back pretty quick. We were honestly pretty worried about the first show we played. It was it was an outdoor show. It was us taking back Sunday and Emory. I was a little nervous about like how we'd be perceived because Florida was like pretty much back open way before everything else, which in some senses, I was like weirdly selfishly almost a little happy to be like out of my house again. But I knew that we were doing the wrong thing and felt guilty about it. But as far as that show, it was a little further along into it and it was becoming a little more accepted. But other parts of the country and other countries, you got to remember a lot of our fans are European because that's like a big market for heavy music. So they were still completely locked down when we played this show and they're like, "Mm." so it was a big show thousands of people there and everyone was like moshing climbing on each other's heads and shit and i was like i hope this is okay and nothing ever came out about it you know and there was there was no uh like super spreader shit or anything so i was very happy about that and the vaccine had been out already and so uh i totally tangented here Uh, no that's perfect yeah, I feel like a lot of the people that I <clears throat> talk to on this podcast are artists in some capacity and have very similar feelings about like, well, what the fuck? Like a lot of people did like live shows, whether it's music, comedy, whatever. We had no outlet anymore for our fucking crazy brains. Um, everybody, but artists yeah. specifically who are used to doing shows multiple times a week. Um, yeah, you go a little bit cuckoo. Yeah, to say the least. And I mean, truthfully, I like I told myself that I'd use that time to be productive and like write. And um, you know, I was like, yeah, well, fuck, Evergreen hasn't put out a record in 
years we should do that why don't we write and we're all like yeah we'll use this time to write and we totally didn't we just like depression drank and fucking i don't know weirdly though i spent a lot of time in my little uh like a lot of my best friends live in this block in atlantic beach like we all live like within a block or two from each other so we have like a little quarantine bubble of like five of us Mm -hmm. who hung out every day and kind of didn't really go anywhere else and we went and played a lot of tennis and baseball and like actually got outside but then we're drinking and staying up until like 11 a.m the next day and then sleeping all day and then playing tennis at night and then like there was no circadian rhythm nothing made any sense and weirdly it was kind of nice but it was horribly unhealthy for like mental health yeah it's so funny uh, i played tennis too and i was like what the fuck why are we all playing tennis i mean we have nothing else to do but I played tennis, hated it. I don't was like, what the fuck? I can't. Oh do this. shit! I was about to say, you want these hands when you come back in town? Or no, what? I don't. I'm I'm very bad at it, and uh, I don't really have much much of uh, athletic ability. I'm I'm fast though. I can run because I got long legs. Are you still fast? I I'm fast. I'm, I don't know if I'm fast. I don't remember the last time I sprinted anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> honestly i only know this because i uh was chased down the street by an unhoused person recently <laughs> oh shit welcome to oh. los angeles uh is, and uh... so i was like well gotta run and uh turns out <laughs> i'm pretty fucking fast what footwear were you in at the time like you weren't in some like heels or anything no. were you alex i don't wear heels if anything oh, I, it would be boots but like no they were just like uh they weren't docks, but they were like similar to docks, like like a boot. So they had some weight heel. to them too. They had some weight, mm-hmm, but I was fucking. I wasn't gonna just stick around. Like what happened was we were walking in opposite. This is at like eleven o'clock. I was walking my dog. We were walking in opposite directions, and I clocked it. And then he turned around and started walking in the same direction as me. And I was like, God damn it! Like this is not good. Why are you turning around? So then I start like kind of picking up my pace, and then he starts picking up his pace. And then I'm like, okay, well, I have to jog now. And then he starts to jog. And then I'm like, I got to fucking book it. And then as soon as I start booking it, he starts booking it. And, uh, yeah, that's Whoa. that. Yeah. Good God. Well, the only positive, and not to make light of the situation, you is can that make now light you of know it. you're fast as fuck. <laughs> but I feel like, the, I, th- I think, maybe I'm wrong. I think what you're supposed to do is, like, be like, get the fuck away from. I, th- I think you're supposed to be like, get the fuck away from me and like confront it. Like a bear, you yell at it. I, th- I, I think I think you're supposed you're... to yell at your attack. I do think that, but maybe you know, I don't know. I could in, in the moment I was like, I just I'm gonna run because I don't know what else to do. But you, you know, know what, you're... Alex? The like shitty thing was in my head because this is like on my block. In my yeah. head, I'm like, oh, I can't yell. I don't want to wake up my neighbors. Like, that is what the thing that came to my head was. And I was like, why? Why is that something nice. I'm concerned that's, about? That's I know. So thoughtful of you. I know. Honestly, I'm such a I'm so thoughtful when I'm getting attacked. State of panic. You're just still being thoughtful. <laughs> I'm honestly that kind of neighbor myself. I'm the one that, like, if people are at my house at night, I'm like, shh, everybody, there's a baby that lives next door. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? I know. I need to be more mean. Um, but maybe I don't. I'm already kind of a bitch. Um, okay. I have completely Alex, derailed this interview. I'm so sorry. No, this is what it's about. <laughs> this is what it's about. I have a question. This is off topic too. <clears throat> Hardcore fans. I feel like they're either like super um, like uh, socialist or like very, very far left 
or they're fucking neo-Nazis. Is this something that I only I am seeing or? So I would say this as far as that. In different cities, every scene is made up of different groups of like a patchwork quilt of people. So, and that's kind of a thing with like going to different cities is like, if you don't know who you're talking to, just don't talk to them in a way that's going to upset them. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't know who that is or what they're capable of. Um, and not just in like a neo-Nazi sense, you know, there's like crews of people and uh, we don't need to get into it, but basically, uh, you know, just, just don't be a dick to anyone who you don't know, um, sure, or anyone sure. really. But so, so what I'm getting at there is it's hard to say who or how much of each there would be. I would say overwhelmingly it's more towards the, uh, socialist side. And then a lot of people, honestly, are just there there's plenty of people who just aren't even terribly informed in sure. those kinds of things and just go there because they want to just hit people and like like in a controlled chaos kind of way yeah um uh as far as the neo-nazi thing i know that does exist in some level i don't think it's a big thing in yeah in hardcore music because hardcore music has always been very anti-establishment and right but you think that about punk too and yet yeah there, I feel like there are fucking skinhead punk bands, let alone, you know, obviously. No, bands. there are. There are. Um, it's, I would say there's more of that than there are hardcore bands, truthfully. I, yeah. I, I don't know. That's, that's, that's a side of the genre that I think is overwhelmingly the minority. Uh, but the fact that any of it exists is, eh, just sucks. But, yeah, it does. Um, yeah, and then there's also just like, you know, the side where it's just like beat down bands who just like, hey, we're just going to play the heaviest shit we can possibly think of and scream as loud as we can and just everyone start hitting each other and it'll be fun. So, But you like that, no? Yeah, so I'm too old. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm too yeah, old. I, the Actually, generally speaking, the uh, one of the safest places in the room for not getting hit is on the stage. So that's yeah. where I'm glad I'm there. Um, I don't pit anymore um i was never a big mosher i just wasn't good at it like i didn't look cool and i'm not a huge dude i'm only like 5'10 so i was like uh yeah i'll just leave i i tried a few times and this then looks caught cool you, you, I yeah. Feel like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah give that a shot um next time you're at a hard question <laughs> um yeah but i just like i tried it in my mirror when i was like 14 like <laughs> how do I look cool doing this? Like, Fucking just, windmill. Yeah. And like way bigger, scarier dudes. Cause Jacksonville was like real tough fucking scene back in the like early two thousands. So, and that was when I was a teenager. So like, I didn't know any of those big, scary dudes. I'm friends with all of them now, but yeah. they scared the shit out of me back then. And I didn't want anything to do with that. So I'd like stage dive and crowd surf a little bit, but I was never a big mosher. When did you get into music and like, playing music obviously you've been into listening to I, I don't know you tell me i don't want to assume that yeah I yeah um so the first show i ever played was i think i was 16 or 15 in uh jacksonville at a place called the imperial which is a very uh notorious at the time venue um like to to put it in perspective, like we went on tour in like 2012 or something. It was this uh, younger band who was blowing up called uh, Hundred, and um, it was the first time I had met them. And uh, 
uh, I was talking to, or maybe it wasn't them. It was it was some younger band. I feel like it might have been them. I can't remember. Anyway, the point is, I brought up Jacksonville, and the first thing they said was, "Oh, the Imperial," and it it had been closed for like years at that point. And I was like, "How do you know about that?" Like, "Oh, of course we know about that," you know. And I was like, "Holy shit!" There's, it's like a real thing. But anyway, so um, yeah, that was a scary place to go on a stage for the first time in front of a bunch of dudes who hit each other all the time. Uh, people would like, you know, bands like us, uh, one of our, um, friends bands, uh, someone like grabbed all their merch from behind the merch table and started throwing it at them and like popped the microphone into their face while they're trying to sing and shit. Just like, it was kind of scary, but it built a lot of character, I guess. Sure. But, uh, being as like young and, uh inexperienced i i didn't know what i mean i had seen videos of hardcore shows and i knew i loved the music and i was i had been like trying to write it and play it and emulate my favorite bands when i was you know a freshman in high school for a few years but i hadn't been on a stage to try to do it in front of people and it was like that i i, I, I that was like the only stage in my life when i was nervous to play a show and it was more because i was scared of the people that were there <laughs> Then it was like, oh God, I have to play music in front of people. Like that's not a, that's not an issue for me. It hasn't been like my whole adult life, but uh, yeah. So that was kind of when I started playing shows. I first like traveled out of town, played in a pop punk band called Captain Kid. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, so that was the first, I was like 19 or something when that was going on. That was the first time I like went and played outside of Jacksonville. Went yeah, up and- wait, okay, hold on. So you graduate high school. Yeah. Then, so then you join this band? Or yeah, are you so just, went, tour? are you a touring member? I was bandless for a year. I went to FSU. Okay. Oh, and, right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, sorry, my roommate's about to walk in. I just got to tell him, hey, it's cool. Just walk by him. Just, just come on in, buddy. Uh, what's anyway, his name? So- wait, what's his name? His name's Chris. I'm gonna He's say a wonderful hey, guy. I'm gonna say hey Chris when he walks in. Do it. He'll he'll love it. Um Do you wanna wait? I feel like your ADHD is not gonna let you continue until You're right. No, I know. It's just it's killing me right He's now. He's in and through. I know. What's up, buddy? What up? Hey Chris. Hello. <laughs> Get in here and say hi. This Don't is my be friend rude. Rebecca. This is my friend Chris. Oh, I'm coming. Hey. How you hey, doing? Hey Chris. Howdy. Howdy. Likewise. Anyway, we're recording a podcast. Um, Bye, Chris. Anyway, where was I? Uh, yeah. Uh, I was, okay, FSU. Yeah, I was. Uh, so you went there FSU. for uh, just one year? Now I can't remember. Yeah, I was there for one year. What did you What did you go in thinking you were going to study? The thing that people have no idea what they want to study: communications. Oh no. sure. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. So I. I didn't really have a plan, honestly. I was just, I didn't want to be there. Um, I had a good time, like, just, you know, partying and being 18 in Tallahassee, but, like. Sure. Uh, okay, yeah. so you go for a year, and then did you, so you stopped going? Yeah, I came back, and not to be in a band, but I knew I wanted to do that again when I came back. I just Why did you come back? I didn't want to be in Tallahassee anymore. And honestly, I was like not doing well in school because I didn't give a fuck or want to be there. Like I did pretty well in high school just because I like felt like I had to because I was like, oh, you have to go to college. So I was like, I have to get good grades. 
And um, yeah, I just wasn't doing great in school. I wasn't, I fucking hated like the 8 a.m. biology class that I had to go to. And like this, I just, I didn't like really much about it other than partying. And I was like, I can do that anywhere. So, and not cost my, uh, you know, my, I, I was going to lose my scholarship that I, I had one of those like 75% scholarships that Florida yeah. was offering at the time for like yeah. getting good grades in high school. And uh, I was going to lose that. So I came back, went to UNF for like a semester and failed out of there. And okay. uh, that was, um, thankfully at the time that I was joining uh, the pop punk band, I was in for a minute, Captain Kid. And um, we got to uh, do some pretty cool stuff with that. But that was kind of the timeline. But how did, okay, so you go to UNF and you, you just are like not, you don't like what you're studying. You don't like, or you're just like, I'm not interested in this. So you quit or you fail or whatever. How yeah. are you, how does that make you, because this podcast is about low points in our life. Um, how does that make you feel? Are you like bummed or are you like, yeah, this fuck, I don't want to do that. Or like, what is your mindset around that? Because at that point you had gone, done FSU, UNF. What are you thinking? What I'm bummed about is that I went back nine years later and finished. I should have just fucking left it alone. It's <laughs> such a waste of my goddamn time and money. <laughs> uh, okay, so I didn't know you went back nine years later. I did. I took, well, I I joined. Uh, okay, everything. yeah. Uh, wait, yeah, wait, wait. So, Captain Kid. Okay, sorry. So you, yeah. you're like, I hate this, blah, blah, blah. Captain Kid. Now what? Captain Kid was a very brief window. It was only like a two less than two year thing for me, actually. Okay. Um, we did a lot in the two years, uh, but it was very brief. Then I played in a band called Harlow with our buddy Brett Barley. You know him uh, from Nice. Um, mm -hmm. We I played in that band for about a year, and then I joined Evergreen. Um, so it was all very quick from the college thing to joining Evergreen. It was all within a few years. Um, so I didn't really have time to be, like, bummed out because I, I was doing something I wanted to do, you know, like – I didn't feel like a failure for, I was just like middle fingers up to college. I didn't care. I was like, dude, fuck you guys. I don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. And I feel bad because I had this scholarship and my mom wanted me there. And like, oh man, I was like that. I felt a little bad about because like, you know, the other 25%, like my parents had helped me pay for obviously mm -hmm. uh, that wasn't covered by a scholarship. So like I had kind of wasted their time and money, which I felt very bad about and still do to this day. But that's honestly probably part of the motivation of going back and finishing was just to be like, here, mom, look, I did it. Yeah. But yeah. I didn't honestly, I know this, this isn't really what you're, you were getting at, but like, I didn't really, I didn't feel bad at that point. Cause like I, I was, although I was eating like ramen and fucking working in a, you know, pizza store to make the band thing work. Like that was what I wanted to do. Yeah. So, I was going to say, where were you? Were you, did you have a second, <clears throat> other than being in a band, did you have a second job for like income? Uh, back then or now? Back then. Yeah, back then I worked at Fox's Pizza. Remember that place? Yeah. Wait, where was that? It was off yes! of 210. Yes. Next yep. to that gas station. Yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. Okay. Yeah, so yep. I was like delivering pizzas and tossing dough and washing dishes and shit. And it was like, whatever. I didn't hate it, but yeah. it was a, it was a means to an end to me. You know, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're progressing, you're press progressing. Evergreen Terrace comes about, and you're like, yes, I want to join. Yes. So it's actually, like, a really weird story that, like, a lot of people wouldn't believe, but um, that was, like, one of my favorite bands in when I was in high school was Evergreen Terrace. They were from Jacksonville. They were already touring the world. 
like they're a little bit older than me uh like five or five or six years older than me so that's like that was who i like looked up to uh and then we had some mutual friends and um their bass player at the time who was actually our bass player again now we've had a couple like shifts of members he's back now but at the time he had left they had another guy filling in for a minute and then he was leaving and uh so i get a call from josh james who was the old guitar player of evergreen terrace he's in a million awesome bands now namely like stick to your guns but um he called me uh and i didn't know him i'd met him like once or twice but like again these people are like people i looked up to at this point not like friends of mine so he's like hey man uh we need someone to play bass uh eddie o'neill recommended you <laughs> and i was like um oh shit that's crazy and he's like yeah i got a few questions for you first though and i was like okay and he goes do you have a lot of black shirts and i was like yeah and he was like cool and he was like do you steal shit? And I was like, no, never. And he was like, all right, cool. And he was like, can you jump really high? And I was like, actually, yeah, I can jump really high. And he was like, all right, cool. You want to come to practice like tomorrow or whatever? And I was like, fuck yeah. So I just show up. They already had all the gear like set up for me and shit. And I like, it was actually, it was like a week later, probably I, I had to learn some of the songs, but I already yeah. knew how to play some of them. Cause it was like one of my favorite bands. Right. So I show up and I'm just like, oh shit, I'm in a room with one of my favorite bands. This is cool. And, uh, yeah, then we just jammed and like, it kind of clicked pretty quickly. And, um, I was just a touring member for like the first probably year I was in the band, but we, uh, we got along very well. So we ended up, cause that's really one of the most important things about being in a band. Like if, you know, obviously musical differences, blah, blah, blah. But like, can you live in a fucking vehicle with someone for a month? Like that's, that's the big thing. So I'm surprised that do you snore was not a question on the lat list. Uh, Actually, that's really funny. So me and Craig, our other guitar player, are the two big snorers. So we're roommates in the hotels. On Perfect. Tour. Uh, it's just no questions asked. Me and Craig are always in a room together. We both like it's a race to get drunk enough to fall asleep first so that you don't have to listen to the other guy snore. <laughs> like, yeah, if he falls asleep first, I'm just like, fuck. Now I'm going to stare at the ceiling for three hours. Yeah, I do feel like that's a shitty no offense, you can't help it that you snore. But that is one of the, like, tour things is, like, sh shut the fuck up. Yeah, yeah. That and, I mean, like, as long as everyone has, like, decent hygiene and you don't have to smell something. Oh, yeah, if they're not gross. stinky. I feel like hardcore, at least fans, are stinky. Well, we used to, um, we used to be a lot worse about that aspect. I remember uh, we did, like, a 10-day run in Europe in, like, 2010 or something called persistence tour and i remember i don't remember the exact amount of days that we settled on but andrew our singer and i were talking and we both just kind of realized that neither of us had showered in like a week and we were just like i don't know i just didn't do it did you do it and he was like no i didn't i'm like yeah me neither i've just been getting drunk the whole time and playing songs i don't know so we we're just like oh shit i'm not the only gross one but uh we're a little too old for that kind of shit now we're better citizens of the road <laughs> that's good um okay so what is the hardest part about being a touring musician um honestly it's awesome but uh when when i was in my like early to mid 20s and we were doing it all the time uh like i had a 
girlfriend then and that was uh you know that's difficult being away from someone and like any conflict that comes up you aren't resolving it face to face you're just doing it over the phone and that's like no fucking way to resolve any conflict so that was difficult to an extent um and then also like since we were gone so much there was one specific year where we did like a fuck ton of tours and um i came home and like you know friends had like secret handshakes i didn't know and like inside jokes i didn't get and i had just lived in this cartoon bubble for like eight months and like when people go how was it i'm like i don't know how to make you understand what i just did i lived in a in a fucking cartoon for eight months like none of this was even real are you in you're in vans or bandwagons or what's the deal uh it depends what we do um we've done bus tours in europe where like the bigger tours that we've done yeah i feel like europe man that's where it's at when uh when we're doing a headliner we're in a van usually um just cost wise it's just so much easier and like yeah you're in a bus you have a bunk i would so much rather sleep in a hotel than a bunk on a bus dude you lose your fucking mind in that place in that bunk uh anyway people just don't understand also like the toll that it takes on your body too to like not even just like play and be on stage but like when you're traveling and you're in a car and you're or a van or whatever you're in and you're sitting all the time yeah well it's twofold it's that it's it's the two extremes you're either sitting all the time or you're jumping off of speakers and someone's skull cracks you in the middle of your spine you know what i'm saying so it's like you're in flat bottom vans on a concrete stage for an hour and a half jumping around like an asshole so yeah the physical like my back is fucked my knees are fucked like for sure but well worth it i would not change it for the world but um there are days where if if i forget to stretch in the morning oh shit like actually right now I, i'd forgotten to stretch this morning so i'm like kind of like stiff all day but is that part <laughs> of like your daily routine routine is like stretching you wake up and stretch not as much as it should be um i can tell yeah, you but that. that's still I'm, great i should probably seek some like professional help for the uh like physical stuff but um, not for your mental just for your physical well that too but um the yeah like uh i don't know if i want to go to a chiropractor per se but anyway to answer your question uh yeah that is one of the tougher things is like i don't know especially um like there's not a comfortable way to sleep in a van really like it is what it is the bench is the bench the floor is the floor and neither of them are great and so uh, if you have an eight hour drive the next day, I'm just going to go about it by staying up super late in the hotel and then try to sleep the whole eight hours. So I don't have to like, you know, fucking, how do you twiddle your thumbs there? I don't have to do this. <laughs> I was just like, wait a minute. I don't know how to do it. Oh, that's that was perfect. That was perfect. Um, yeah. So, but, but even that, that's not great for your body or your mind staying up all night drinking and then sleeping in a vehicle all day. No. So, uh, and then getting out and being like, oh, now I got to essentially lift a refrigerator up a stairs and then go fucking play this show. You know, like I saw this meme one time and it was like, how do you explain touring to someone? And it was like, go sit in your cabinet for five hours, only getting out to piss or smoke a cigarette and then go lift your refrigerator up your stairs and then jump around for an hour. And I was like, that is literally what it's like, but fun. Yeah. So then how do you keep your mental health, since this is a mental health podcast, how do you keep your mental health in check when you have all of these like 
external stimuli for lack of a better word um i guess the first thing that comes to mind is that i'm out there with four of my best friends so like and uh actually you know what we listen to a lot of comedy sets instead of music we listen to comedy because that keeps the morale so much higher and like uh this one dude that filled in for us on drums like four years ago uh on a tour he gets in the van the first day plugs in his uh iphone and puts on like something heavy and screaming and we were like bro no we were like we're gonna hear this shit for six hours every night for the next month we're not doing that bro we're like let's listen to some anthony jesselnick and laugh about something or you know yeah it's so funny i uh, i always like make the joke of that like comedians want to be musicians and musicians want to be comedians deep like in some yeah. way shape or form i don't have the guts dude <laughs> i i hide behind a, an instrument like I couldn't be out there without something strapped onto me that I'm like, it's like, maybe it is a mental thing, but I'm literally like, I'm behind it, you know? Yeah, actually that makes sense. Like this sounds so stupid, but like oh, years and years ago when I just first started doing live shows, I, I wear glasses and I would wear my glasses and I was like, this makes me feel a little bit more protected than when yeah. I don't wear them. Um, which is so weird. What a weird I know. I know thing. you know what I'm saying. Oh yeah. Big time. But yeah, eventually, but you know, you do it enough where you're like, Man, I don't fucking care. I'm going to if I'm going to bomb, I'm going to bomb. If I'm going to do great, I'm going to do great. I love the comedy slang too, like bombing and murdering and fucking. I, oh, I want oh, you know what? One, you should take killing. it to your writing sessions is like if something bothers you or something's not working, you go like, oh, that bumps me. Um, that's bumping me. Bumping? No shit. All oh, right, yeah. Let me give that a so, shot. Yeah, or a lot of people be like, that part bumped me. Uh, I feel like that's bumping me a little bit. Can we change? Yeah, so you can use that. I'm going to bring that into the next rehearsal or writing session for sure. Oh, yeah, you um, better. Okay, mental I, health. Tell me. Yeah, I keep getting us off that. Sorry. No, it's um, okay. This is what it's about. Yeah, so. How do you keep uh, your mental health in check? Yeah. Um, friends. Other than, yeah, friends. and on, Actually, it's funny. So there's like been a moment many times on different tours where I've kind of realized, Oh shit, we've all lost our minds. We've been gone too long. Like, cause you're not in reality when you're on tour, you're living in a different world that, like I said, describing it earlier, like it, it doesn't, you, you start like losing your sense of like politeness, not politeness to other people, but like, I'm going to pick my nose now. Cause I don't care anymore. Right. Like, that kind of shit. And like, I, there's a few specific moments where I like, I was like almost a little startled, like, oh shit, I think we're actually losing it. We need to go home. And one was like, we were outside of a festival in Germany and there was this field full of alpacas. We had been, we we're on an eight week tour and it was like week seven and there's this field full of alpacas and we're all just standing there trying to like make a language to communicate with them. And we're all just going, <laughs> five dudes just standing at a fence going, and they started doing it back to us. And I was like, is this real? Are they actually doing it? And I was like, did we really just make a language for alpacas? Anyway, that was mildly concerning to me that there were <laughs> five grown men standing at a fence going. Blah, 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 Alex, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm going to use that because I'm currently writing a pilot that's essentially Spinal Tap meets The Office. Like it's a workplace comedy, but takes place on tour. <laughs> and I'm 1000% going to use that. I'll credit Please you. do. I got another one for you. So go for it. Um, we're in Russia in February of 2014, which was the worst fucking idea ever. That email was one we should have not opened. Um, the, yeah, dude, negative 20 at least. Jesus Christ. It was yeah. so fun. It was so cold to kill my phone battery walking to the market and back to get a 
Russian nesting doll for my girlfriend at the time. Um, <laughs> that was like the one thing I promised to do in Russia. Anyway, um, yeah, it was, uh, it, it, we had finished a European tour and gone with one of the bands from that tour to Russia for a few days and the Ukraine and it was fucking freezing. We were on this nightmare overnight train from Ukraine to Russia or yeah, Ukraine to Russia. And it was like a hundred degrees in the train and 20 degrees, negative 20 outside. So we're like half naked with our bodies against the window, like sweating. And uh, <laughs> like, it was a very taxing experience. Um, and then the last day we're in, I think St. Petersburg. <laughs> I'm in a basement of a music venue sitting on a bunk bed with a guy with his eyeballs tattooed, one black, one red, like the white parts were black and red. And he doesn't speak any English. I don't speak any Russian. We're drinking malt liquor out of a green two liter bottle, plastic bottle, and passing it back and forth. And I'm watching our bass player washing his foot in the sink. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, this is it. I was like, this is the, this is it. We've fucking lost it. What are we doing? I was like, what are we doing here? But, um, there's a few others, but yeah, that's, it's always, there's always like one moment of like, oh no, we need to go home. Yeah. So then what do you do? You still are dancing around my mental health. Alex, how are you sane? How are you sane in this world slash in music, but, but mostly in this world? Honestly, um, I don't know how healthy it is, but I distract myself by watching a lot of hockey. Uh, <laughs> okay. Emotionally investing in something inconsequential like that is, uh, is no, I get nice, that. It's a nice escape from this capitalist hellscape I wake up to every day. Yeah, yeah. Um, but truthfully, sense. when I'm lying awake at night, like trying to go to sleep, my thoughts race constantly about the plight of the world and the marginalized people. It mm -hmm. it never it never leaves my mind. It just gets covered up for a while. Yeah, I mean, yeah, existing is fucking hard, man. It's not easy. Um. What is your, what is like a day in your life look like? Like you wake up, what happens? Uh, so I work, uh, I do like a little bit of account management uh, for a marketing company, a small, uh, small online marketing company in Atlantic Beach. Um, so I'll do a few hours of work from home there. Uh, like one or two nights a week, I work in a restaurant um, just make more money obviously but i try to divide my time between the two so i don't do either one too much yeah get burn out um and this this is my home life you know obviously what i just described yeah, yeah, yeah. before is very different but for me um like at this very stage in my life that's kind of what it is and then you know after after that i'll uh go wind down at the pub my uh roommate who i live with here uh he works at uh really cool bar um just go have a few pints and shot irish whiskey and then uh try to come home and uh not have my thoughts race all the time but <laughs> yeah there's like only so much i can do to get around it till it catches up to me at the end of the day but yeah Is there... I'm yeah, sorry. No, I was just gonna say, I don't know that I have too many like good coping mechanisms for that. Well, I was just going to say, is there like a routine that is helpful for you? Because like as artists, as people like that I've talked to on the show, a lot of people are like, oh, I have to have this routine or I go crazy. And I'm like, if I have a routine, I'm going to go crazy. I'm more like that myself, actually. Yeah. Um, that's why I only do each of the two jobs I do when I'm home a little bit. And it's like, totally different shit every week. So 
Yeah. That's helpful, but I'm exactly how you are. I, I don't want, I, I tried doing full-time marketing for a while, especially when Evergreen Terrace took a hiatus for a few years. Like oh. I was full-time finishing college and full-time working at a marketing company 40 hours a week, Monday through Friday, nine to five. And I could not have hated that more, like the scheduled aspect of it. And yeah, uh, the structure of it like drove me insane. Really? Like how is that? Is that what like did that make you realize like, oh, I don't want this this life? Yeah, definitely. And honestly, I'll never do it again. I Well, Mm -hmm. I would if I could go back, I would have just never gone back to college. That was such a waste of fucking time. Oh, and it was a waste of time for me. I'm not a doctor, a lawyer or, you know, something where you need to go to college. I work in marketing. You could Google anything you need to know about that. So. And actually that happened the first day I showed up to that job, the fucking guy who was supposed to be training me. Uh, he's like, I was like, how do I uh, make this social media schedule for this client? And he's like, Google it. And I was like, oh my God, why am I in college? Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, that I, I'll never go back to that life because I found out immediately that that was not good for me. And, well, how um, did that feel in those moments? Because you're doing it like you're in college you're already committed to like doing that and this job like what was going through your brain yeah I was really stressed and burnt and like actually I quit drinking caffeine during that time because I started having heart palpitations just from like the amount of caffeine I was consuming to like be mentally sharp for full-time school full-time work and uh so there was a physical toll on my body. I never like went to a doctor about it. I was like, dude, I just got to stop drinking caffeine. And I did, and it went away. Mm. But I also eventually left that job, finished college, and like all of that physical stuff went away. But uh, how it felt like mentally in that time, it was just the number one word that comes to my mind is stress. Just like I was not happy at the time because... It was just, I thought I was doing something I wanted to do. And I realized very quickly that it was wrong and I pivoted eventually, but like, yeah, it was so stressful. Yeah. But it's interesting because like you did have a quote unquote, like stable job with like a stable paycheck. Right. And now you have, I guess it's still stable, but like, you know, you have a few jobs where you're getting like different sets of income. Like you're not getting the same amount on tour every time you tour. Um, Same with the restaurant. I don't know how your marketing job works, but like some people would think that it would be more stressful to have the life that you have right now. I do not. I am the same way that I'm the same way as you. Like I have multiple jobs with multiple income. I don't know how much it's going to be each time. Um, And I prefer that. But do you know what I mean? Like some people are like, oh, I would much rather have a stable paycheck and like, no, I guess my question is like, are you, do you ever have the thought of like, you know what? Maybe I should just have like one job where I know I'm going to make X amount every year because life is expensive. Uh, not really. And I'm very much, I don't want to speak for you, but like just what you just said, I'm very much like you and I'm, I'm quick on my feet and I don't like being tied to something for you know, like, I, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I guess that's the way to say it, but like, I'll, I'll make it work if I have to, and I always have, and I always will, and I'm confident in my ability to do so, so I'm not as worried about that, and I mean, 
I don't know that there may come a point where this like inflation shit gets so out of control. I might change my tune on that. Uh, but as it sits right now, like I'm still able to live at the beach and like in a, you know, decent dwelling and have fun when I want to and stuff. And it's my, my income is diverse. And, and actually I would say this too, to that point that uh, having three different, albeit smaller chunks, three different incomes, and it being more diverse is actually like, if I lose one, I still have the other two. Yeah. I feel the so same way. That. Yeah. 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 I just, yeah. My brain is not able to focus on like one thing. I have like the stuff that I do is so different. Um, and I, I like that about it. Yeah. I've, I've definitely got some rampant unchecked ADHD. I just, I'm un, not diagnosed and like anyone who knows me knows that like I, I for sure, like, I can't hold a thought for a second and I'm always just moving real quick. Um, but why haven't you, um, do you I, want to get that? I don't, I don't know no? that I want to get on a medication for it. And I don't know why I, maybe it's just some stubborn thing. I just, I don't really want to like take something every day for it, even though I know that that might like, I make it work the way it is now well enough. And I'm pretty good at managing it and managing my thoughts that like a lot more than I was when I was younger. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know where else to go with it, but like, I, I just, I don't particularly want to get on a medication for it. And I don't really have a good reason for that. Like, yeah, I was going to say why, like why, if you think no, that uh, it would be, if you think it would help your, yeah, I don't know. It might, and, and I'm not some like crazy anti-vaxxer fucking idiot. Like <laughs> I don't take any medicine. Like, no, I know medicine helps and shit like that. It's just like, had I not gotten pretty good at managing it on my own, uh, then I might think more about it. There was a time where I really considered it, but that was like, honestly, like eight or nine years ago. Well, yeah, I think the goal is to be able to manage it on your own. And like medication is just a little bandaid usually to like help you be able to me. I'm going to be on medication my whole life, baby, because my brain is crazy. Uh, <laughs> I'll be on that antidepressant till I die. Yeah. Do you, are yeah. you not a depressed person? Um, so I was, uh, pretty, I was in a pretty dark place. Like I said, during the COVID thing and like yeah. everyone had their own reasons for whatever darkness they experienced during that time. Some people, it was loss in the family. Some people, it was loss of like what I described, like the one thing that you love doing. And, um, you know, obviously those are not comparable things, but, um, yeah, I, I was, uh, honestly, I, I don't, I've never been diagnosed because I didn't, I didn't take care of it the way I should have back then, but no one was taking care of anything back then. So like, I I don't know enough about it, but I know that I was feeling really dark. I was never like in a place where I was going to like end my life or anything, but I was in a place where I was feeling very hopeless and not seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. And like, um, you know, the government wasn't giving us, and I'm not going back to the socialist rant, but they didn't give us you fucking can. for, uh, for support, but we're supposed to be staying home. And I was just so mad at the world and all this in social injustice shit's going on. And like, it just compounded all of that together. And I, I guess I just was like, my faith in humanity was rapidly declining because of all the MAGA shit going on and how many people were supporting that. And like, I don't know. I think, 
and I'm kind of bouncing around here, but it, it was really all those things combined into one. And then I just like my coping mechanism was unhealthy as fuck. It was just drinking. Yeah. And so I just was honestly didn't care what time it was anymore. I was like, yeah, fuck it. We can party. Who's going to stop us? Why does it matter? Mm-hmm. So uh, I handled it in a very unhealthy way. But I honestly, I will say I should have seeked help. And if I could go back, I would have because I was feeling really awful. But um, I was able to pull out of it um, without doing that, like at least to an extent. I'm not saying I'm like perfectly mentally healthy, but I do feel significantly better now. And I don't know that I had a specific way of doing that per se so much as like uh, I, I just got a little better at managing my emotions and understanding them and like why I was feeling them and like trying to like really understand what they were and why I was feeling them, I guess. I don't how know. did you do? Yeah, that makes sense. But how did you like how did you do that? Like, how did you begin to like get to know yourself and your emotions and managing them? Like, is it a, I was, I was going to say like a journaling thing. Are you writing music? How are you getting to know yourself more? So actually one of the reasons that I uh, knew I was in a dark place mentally was because I, I was writing some lyrics one night and uh, I like read them the next day after I'd sobered up and I was like, Oh, that's dark. I was like, fuck dude. Do I really think that? do I really have to look in the mirror right now and realize that I'm like, that came out of me? Cause it just, I would never considered myself a depressed person or anything like that. And I was like, Oh shit, dude, that was like, yikes. That's, that's how I feel. And you never want to like look in the mirror and admit like what is a perceived weakness, you know, not that it is a weakness, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, society. I do think it's definitely perceived more as that for men. Right. I mean, I would I would say so. Um, I mean, you know, the masculinity shit in this society. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's bear your emotions, drink your your cold beer, but not Bud Light anymore. And uh, fucking yeah, yeah. yeah so it's, like, it's probably more of a stigma for for men, yeah. Right. So that's another factor too that you have to play into. How is it? How is like um mental health stuff in music slash hardcore specifically because like obviously the world as a whole is like toughen up when a man is uh needing help really so like what is that like in your field yeah it's funny because like a lot of um specifically to that like uh a lot of bands lyrics uh you know there's like anti-establishment uh part of it but a lot of bands have like really personal lyrics about like things they've gone through in their life and like you know our band like andrew has songs about things from you know earlier in his life that happened that are you know traumatic and things like that but we're playing this like tough guy fucking sounding music you know like it's supposed to be like super like oh tough uh but the words if you were if if you can understand them and if you actually go read them <clears throat> to a lot of bands uh music is like it's therapy like that's what it is and we're all kind of fucked up people like you wouldn't go live in a van for a month if you weren't um but i think it's a good outlet for i know i can speak for myself but i think it's safe that i can speak for the majority of people who do what we do 
that um it's a great outlet to let out some real negative emotions in a not so negative way yeah that makes sense that makes complete sense so would you say that like both would you say that writing has been helpful for you to get to know your feelings and how you feel and then performing is helpful to kind of expel any any negative or anything you don't want to feel you can just like get it out that's exactly right so like writing I I think what you said it's more like it has helped me more understand like what I'm feeling and be like Mm -hmm. oh god uh but playing a show and just letting everything out and just being sweaty and having like blood on my hand from how hard I was hitting my guitar just from like you know I mean that sounds kind of insane when I say it out loud but like it just feels good like it just feels really good it's like some people train MMA to let uh, you know or lift really heavy shit because it's like a physical exertion and it's like oh yeah like that's my thing is that yeah that's the thing is like you can't for me, and I think I've got done enough therapy with enough therapists to know that this is probably how a lot of people feel. Uh, just doing therapy or just checking in with your mental isn't enough. Like the mind body connection is so strong that like we store so much stress and so much trauma in our bodies that if our brain, like even if our brain's not actively thinking about it, our, it's in our bodies. And so there has to be some outlet for our body to expel that, whether it's playing a show on stage, like working out. Uh, For me, like I have to do something with like my hands. So whether that's like making art or, you know, anything in that world. So it's like, I just feel like sometimes we talk about mental health and we neglect talking about like our physical body, but they're so connected, you know? Yeah. I, and I, like I said earlier, I was like literally having physical heart palpitations. Right. And I, I a hundred percent attribute that to well, my caffeine intake, but also the incredible amount of like pressure and stress I was feeling at the time. It physically manifested in me feeling like I was going to die at four in the morning, sometimes laying in bed, not on drugs or anything, just fucking laying there, just going like, I remember one time I shot up out of a dead sleep and like, it was the weirdest thing. I like, I was laying down and like my heart had started racing in my sleep to where I like physically shot up out of bed into a full sprint into my closet. It was a very bizarre moment in my life. And I was like, uh Oh, I was like, what just happened to me? And my heart was just going like this and I'm standing in my closet naked. And I was like, uh, what? Oh my God. That was when I knew I had to like, at least think about changing something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, I know we're actually over an hour. I'm sorry for taking up more of your time. Um, but if you could give a piece of advice to someone who is in a low point in their life right now, who's experiencing something hard, a challenge, um, what piece of advice would you give them? Um, I know this almost sounds counter to what I just said, but I'd say seek some help if you feel like you need it because I didn't do that. And I think I could have really helped myself uh, like I've, I've landed in a better place, but I think I could have, uh, done that in a more healthy and, uh, maybe, I don't know, faster. I, I don't, I don't know enough about therapy because I didn't fucking do it because I'm an idiot, but I would say, and, and I'm still actually, I'm, I'm going to probably start just, it's, there's nothing wrong with it and it's a healthy thing to do anyway. Um, but I would say seek help and 
do what I didn't do when I was feeling really bad. Cause I, I do wish I had, and I probably still will. I mean, I, it, I'm so glad that like you said that because I don't feel, I mean, I don't have a ton of minute on this show anyway, because why would I, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't blame you, <laughs> but, um, the, the few that I have are like, I just feel like that's important to hear from you, from a, a man, from someone in music, hardcore music specifically, like it's like, okay to like go get help. And especially like you're essentially from the South. Like people don't understand that Florida, the North part of Florida is the South and there is even more so like you're a man, go outside and roll in some dirt and you'll be fine, you know? <laughs> Yeah, like I write poetry and have a garden, so I'm not like the prototypical Florida male. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, frowned upon by the toxic male community here. I'm sure. Uh, that's not why I haven't done it. I've just put it off and been like, I'm okay. I'm a man. I'm yeah, blah, 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 but that's like a societal blah. thing too. That has been just fucking. Yeah, you're a stinky yeah. man. You're stinky. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah I, that's the advice get go seek help and uh i'm actually i i'm going to stop putting off doing it myself because even if i'm not really feeling a whole lot of negative stuff right now it's still just good to have something to bounce off of someone and like not make it your friends when you're drunk oh it's the best i mean i've been yeah. going to therapy regularly for like i don't know eight nine years like truly every week everyone who does it highly recommends it it's great it's great and even like when you're not going through something there is always something to talk about you know so absolutely yeah i recommend it uh well thank you for your time it was great talking to you and catching up i'm surprised this wasn't more about uh anti-capitalism but we threw it in there we got it in there we did. And for my mental health, let's just uh, not bring it back up for now. Cause sorry, it, sorry, sorry. My bad. We're going to need eight more hours of this podcast. I know we will. Okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back with guest musician Alex Varian of the band Evergreen Terrace. Head to their Instagram page, which is Evergreen Terrace Official, to stay updated on their whereabouts, on new releases, and all that other good shit. Uh, thanks again for listening. New episodes every Thursday. <laughs>